everyone. Before we begin this episode of Latvia Weekly, I just wanted to give a quick reminder that uh, Ligua is coming up in just a few days. Latvia is midsummer or Yanni. And although it is very, very fun, and I hope that all of you get out to the countryside and have a fantastic time, please do remember that this is one of the most dangerous days of the year to be on the road. There are crazy people who are out driving. There is a, a very high statistic of um, both people who are caught doing very stupid things on the road and also people who end up getting seriously hurt or hurting other people. So please, please, please be careful when you're out on the road. And if you even have to think about whether or not you should be driving, don't. Because one of the points of Liguanyani is to spend a few days out in the countryside with your friends and family. So don't respect the city. Nothing happens the day after Yanni anyway in your workplace, I'm sure. And uh, enjoy some extra time with your family if you think that you are not ready to drive. So so that's just our friendly reminder here from Latvia Weekly. Ligua, Ligua. Latvia Weekly, your independent guide to the news in Latvia. And welcome to episode number 33 of the Latvia Weekly Podcast. I am one of your hosts here, Joe Horgan. I am joined in Riga by my co-host for today, Olives uh, Nikers. Olives, how are you today? Uh, hi, everyone. And Otto Tabuns, who is our normal co-host, was not able to phone in today. He is enjoying his first week in America. He, as we mentioned last week, is there for studies for the summer. And he's going to try to call in as much as he can for episodes for the summer, but he can't promise it every week. And this week, I guess he was a little bit busy. It's uh, quite early there right now. Here in Riga, it is 11 a.m. on Wednesday. This is Wednesday, June 19th, just a couple days before Ligua and Yanni, which we will have a special episode coming out in just a couple days. But Olevs, in the meantime, we have quite a lot to discuss this week. Absolutely. Uh, there are many news uh, for this week, and it's still hot in Riga. It is still hot in Riga. We will get through a full forecast because a little bit later we're going to call into Chris Ockenfelds, who has some big updates to tell us about on his cycling trip throughout Latvia, some life-changing uh, kind of results of that trip as well. Now, there's a lot of places I felt that we could kind of start for this week, and I wasn't really sure about the best way to kind of get into it, but uh, there were two kind of major proposed bills that came up this week, and both of them were proposed by Autisti by Par, which is one of the largest parties in parliament. They're a quote-unquote new party, which it's kind of hard to say that they're a new party because so many of the members of this Autisti by Par party have been heavily involved in politics in the past, both on the national and the local level and even the European level uh, for, for some part. And they did form this kind of new party ticket going into the 2018 Saima election, and this is a grouping of uh, Latvia's Autisti by, which is a little bit more, I don't know, I understand them to be a little bit more of an economically liberal party and a little bit more like we would call them libertarian, I guess, in America, a little bit more hands-off in terms of government regulations. And then Kusti uh, by Par, which is more of a progressive party. And it's this kind of union of the two. Now, for those of you who were here in Latvia um, over the last few years, you remember watching the Vienotiba party kind of have this um, dramatic... I guess implosion, explosion, you know, just not, not 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 very good times for them. And a lot of people left that party and, and joined this kind of new party. In the election, both of them got into the 
uh, parliament. And since then, Vinotiba has kind of been on an upswing a little bit since then. And there's a new party, Progressivi, specifically the PAR part of Ostici by PAR. I think they're in a little bit of a strange space right now. And so both of these laws that uh, were proposed this week, so one of them um, was a, propo- uh, a proposal to give the Jewish people or the descendants of the Jewish people who suffered during the Holocaust in Latvia, there was uh, this proposal to give more restitution to them. There you know, has been some in the past. And then also there was another law, which is quite a bit more controversial, to recognize some form of civil partnerships. And uh, from what I read, they wanted to specifically use the word couples and make sure that this wasn't some kind of um, substitution for marriage. Now, unsurprisingly, it looks like both of these were pretty quickly swept aside by most of the parties of Saima. Olaf, do you see these as kind of serious measures on the part of Autisti by Par? Or do you see this kind of more as a way to kind of get their base more energized for some of the elections that are coming up the next few years? I think uh, for the uh, this initiative uh, of partnership initiative uh, is uh, it is how they are following their promises uh, before the last elections and uh, they declare that that this will be uh, these the problems of unregistered partnerships to get them recognized by the state uh, there is a problem and they will come and solve it and they will work on it so they are doing this by passing this um, law to the parliament and the other bill, which is restitution to the, of properties which belong to Jews community in Latvia, it's another, yes, another quite unpopular in many ways uh, issue. While it is quite opposed by the other parties, and the main argument is that it's uh, all the things of uh, denationalization and all the properties will given back to everyone early 90s, and those who didn't apply for these uh, properties, uh, that's their fault, uh, and the state took these properties, and that's it. So uh, Jewish community could also logically their own kind of failure and, and why they are asking for something. But there is a difference from the other situations that uh, the, the Jewish community during the World War II experienced a massive and in many cases absolute extinction from the Latvian society. And there was, in many cases, there was nobody left who could apply for these rights, for these properties in early 90s. So historically, this is exceptional situation, which should be uh, somehow solved and hopefully politicians will find uh, ways to solve it. And both these questions are nothing which which will boost up popularity of artistic by par in, in the greater extent. But as we know, for example, for the partnerships law, more and more uh, this is uh, getting supported in Latvian society. And irony in this uh, is in the fact that, for example, uh, if 10 years ago nobody would listen about this and like they would say you are crazy, it never happened, it will never happen. But now we saw the same thing was also told by progressives and progressives told to the media before European Parliament elections that they are going to advocate uh, marriage between same-sex uh, couples. And 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 now this uh, this is the the funny part of this is that okay so society uh, and people say okay 
no, no, marriage, no, but we can accept least partnerships. So it's like a, it's a, like a big step forward. <laughs> yeah, and you know the, the the reason why the timing is interesting to me is because the par um, party congress just happened this week, from what I understand. And there was just this discussion kind of of like, well, how exactly do we go forward? Do we want to become kind of more of this moderate party that brings in a bigger section of the population? Or do we want to kind of specify and be more active in some of the more socially progressive politics? So how do you see part? Because it's, it's I think, for the par, for the movement par, yes. Uh, so this is, I'm not talking about this coalition anymore in this uh, moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's 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 critical for them to choose to clearly define their priorities and their path for the future, mm-hmm. because they made very successful coalition with Atistibai. For many and for my, for me myself, that is very controversial. And as Otto was saying, there 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 is this conflict of political interests and priorities. Uh, if Atistiba is more liberal and movement for Kustiba Par is wanted to take much more progressive politics, then uh, I think it's right time to make decisions which way to go. For the Latvian political parties, that problem was always the same: that lacking strong ideological basis, uh, many political parties which are not existing anymore. So these parties suffered from crisis of their leadership and their vain, they ceased to exist in very large extent due to the absence of clear ideological base. And only there are only two parties which are which, which lives the longest Mm-hmm. And uh, these are Harmony Party and Tasman Brivi Bay, uh, which were which are clearly ethnically based and a little bit ideology, but these are ethnically based parties. And all other parties are emerging and passing by. And if Kustib Par wants to to live long, they have to establish clear ideological bases. So, can you imagine if? they do decide to go with kind of a more progressive ideological basis. Could you see there be some kind of split between Atistibai and Par, the, the, the two sections, Atistibai and Kustiba Par? Or do you think that they'll at least last together until the next um, parliamentary election? I think it would be pretty difficult to them to stay together, but they have quite experienced politicians in this party, in, in both of, the, of these factions. So they may try to stay together until uh, the next ever coming elections. And uh, But it will be pretty difficult because uh, I remember when Kusti Bar, when they were founded and when we saw what they are about to go for their social policies and everything and, and that's absolutely confronting and conflicting with, with what Atisti Bay would say about these all issues. So these conflicts will come, we will see it, it will become more and more visible. It will be not easy for them to stay together. Yeah, so I, I want to move on to another party now where uh, it looks like, um, well, we're already deep into the middle of a split that's going on right now, and that is the KPVLV party, the kind of uh, shooting stars. I can't even really say rising stars or falling stars, shooting stars of the 2018 election, which they came into uh, second place in terms of the amount of votes they got throughout the country. Also, the amount of seats they got in parliament, they started out with 16. They no longer have 16. They just lost another member, uh, and he was actually their 
he was a presidential candidate as well, uh, Mr. Dieter Schmitz, who uh, was running uh, not with the backing of the entire party, because pretty much nothing these days has the backing of the entire party. Uh, but besides Mr. Schmitz leaving the parliamentary faction, all three of the KPVLV ministers fired their parliamentary secretaries. Now, Olives, you have been around Latvian politics for much longer than I have. I've only been here for six years, and I've only been actively kind of paying attention to Latvian politics uh, for about three years. Have you ever heard of anything like this before? No, it's, it's never... It, this thing uh, never happened in Latvian politics, uh, as we see, at least for those teams of politicians and setups which are visible for society, which is basically the first, these political figures, uh, minister, parliamentary secretary, and other like closest advisors, these are always closest and most trusted teams. And we never experienced anything like that uh, in Latvian politics because uh, this is absolutely clear that uh, this situation with uh, KPV is showing us that there are serious problems within these teams, within the team of KPV as as, as political uh, force. Yeah, because uh, so for those of you who hear secretary, minister, now... In America, you know, our, our secretaries are at the same level of ministers, but but here in Latvia, basically, you have the minister who's in charge of the ministry, and then you have the parliamentary secretary who's kind of the liaison between parliament and, and the ministry, and, and they're basically pretty much the second most important person in, in, in the power structure there. Absolutely. So um, this was uh, welfare minister Ramona Petrovica who fired her secretary, Robert Sprutz. This was interior minister um, Sandis Girgens who fired his secretary, Aldis Bloomberg's. And then also economics minister Ralph Namiro fired his secretary, uh, Chris Bergens-Berges. So Otto and I have been discussing in the last few months whether or not KPVLV will make it to the next um, uh, municipal election and if they'll have any success in that election. And, you know, we've been going back and forth on whether they will or not. Now, you know, of course, as we'll discuss in just a minute, it looks like there could be an extraordinary Riga city election. If there is this extraordinary Riga city election, which we'll discuss in just a minute, I promise, and KPV gets, let's say, less than 1%, which isn't completely out of the realm of possibility considering their you know, European Parliament results. Are they going to exist past that? I mean, because I've, I've personally never seen the wheels fall off a party so quickly like this in my life. I know you, you've been around Latvian politics much longer and you know a, a lot of parties kind of come and go. What's your prognosis on this? Uh, so it's it's really doubtful that this party will exist a long time, as uh, as really we there is not a year uh, for this government and for them to work. And now they are we see that uh, they can't handle the government uh, work and and their teams are splitting up. And who are these persons who choose these parliamentary uh, secretaries and why they are firing them now? So what's going on in, in this party? So they are capable uh, to work uh, in the Latvian politics or, or not. And they lost their popularity uh, tremendously. So they are absolutely down with that uh, public support as well. So I think the next municipal elections uh, will be another failure for them. And I can't imagine how they will survive this government until the next parliament elections. So uh, this situation, this, the, the, there might be a number of situations uh, which were not experienced in Latvian politics with this party. And my last question before we move on kind of from the government, I guess, in general, 
Otto and I have also talked about this quite a few times, specifically in the context of KPV. But now that, you know, the kind of fault lines in KPV are turning into, you know, like a category seven, category eight earthquake at this point, and we're starting to see, you know, more pronounced fault lines and maybe autistic by par, who knows, you know, maybe they'll end up uh, kind of sewing them back up together. Is there a bigger danger now that this could lead to greater instability in the government in general? Because this never, you know, nobody ever predicted that this would be, you know, a model of stability when it came to the the current government, just because of the very nature of it, how many parties there were and um, how many different positions there were within the parties. And and, and now the parties within the parties are are kind of even um, starting to uh, uh, break, break apart a little bit. Do you see any kind of threat to kind of the medium term stability of the Carnage government at this point? Because the last time Otto and I talked about this a few weeks ago, you know, we, we, we kind of concluded that, no, you know, this isn't something to worry about. But now, you know, is, is this is this a bit of a different situation? I think it's uh, it's clear now and we see uh, that KPV is the weakest uh, ch- uh section weakest weakest point of the uh, in the carnage government and um, uh, and 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 it's possible that at one point the uh, carnage government will be challenged by a demis and the complete fail or failure of this partner which is kpvlv and then will be questioned with whom they can go forward and what are the options? Because uh, KPVLV uh, one day may turn out as uh, as as bankrupt, and and it's and it's quite predictable. Mm-hmm. And they they can always be um, you know e- even if the party kind of does fall apart. I mean th- those people will still be parliamentarians, and you know the, uh, from what I understand, the coalition can still be supported by uh, non-affiliated members of of parliament. So. Uh, we'll have to see, but it's definitely going to, I think, become even more interesting in the next few months. So Absolutely. we will keep our eye on that situation. Uh, last kind of major piece of legislation um, involving the government. So a lot of you remember that there was a major health reform, which was pushed in by the Kuczynskis government at the very kind of end of their tenure. And this is quite a controversial one. This was what we call here, um, it's, it's weird to translate this into English because it just sounds so strange in English, uh, a two-basket system. And the idea is that in one basket, if you um, have all of your social contributions paid for, like that, that's not your income tax, it's a, it's a separate type of tax. Mm-hmm. If you have all your social contributions paid for, then you get full access to the state health services. If not, if um, you're not a member of some kind of protected social group, and if you don't have these uh, social... Uh, taxes uh, paid for, then you still get um, kind of a separate basket, they call it, uh, of uh, kind of reduced access to to state services. Now, this ended up being very, very controversial. This was challenged by a lot of different organizations. There was a lot of confusion about this when it first rolled out because it was very unclear, well, you know, who who gets what, and, and there wasn't a whole lot of uh, good explanations. So this has been kind of kicked down the road. You know, they, they, they keep uh, delaying it like, well, Okay, so you know we're going to delay it for a month or two months or six months. Now this has officially been delayed all the way to um, the news came out this week, all the way till twenty twenty one. And the idea is that in the meantime, that all wage earners are going to have one uh, percent of their of their wages go to this um, social contribution. But anyway, this reform is going to be again kind of continuously kicked down the road. So we'll uh, come back to it a little bit later. Now something that 
is no longer being kicked down the road because uh, this was kicked down the road for a couple of weeks. But it looks like, so a lot of you are probably going to be listening on Thursday, June 20th. And according to the indications that we've been reading for the last couple of days, that could be the date of a vote of no confidence for Mayor mm-hmm. Dinas Torlice, who has been mayor of Riga for a grand total of how many weeks now? Has it been three even? Oh, yeah. It's it's, <laughs> it's so short. It's, it, it's hard to count, not because it's been so long, but because yeah. it's been so short. So, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so very long story short. So mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Niels Ushakovs, who was the mayor of Riga up until just recently, he was mayor of Riga for about 10 years. Uh, for the last few years, he has been serving on a coalition of his party, Saskinia, or Harmony, as it's often translated, and Gwodzkolport Rigai, um, the honor to serve Riga party. And after he left, Gwodzkolport Rigai said, well, okay, now it's our turn to have a mayor. So they put up uh, Dynasty Torlice. And a few hours after he got into his position, a bunch of, uh, f- sorry, not just a bunch of members, sorry, four members of Saskinia uh, were basically kicked out of their party. So all of a sudden he goes from having a very slim majority coalition government to a minority government. And there's been a lot of chatter the last few days. So these four members of Saskia who are kicked out, are they going to support this coalition? And are they going to allow meritorialize to continue or are they not going to? And there's been a lot of discussion back and forth whether, you know, what will happen if there is a vote of no confidence. Now, the opposition has decided, okay, we, we're going to do this. There was also talk about whether or not the opposition is going to hold a vote of no confidence. But basically... Their position has been, well, yeah, let's let's just see what happens because they have been trying for years and years and years and years to wrest control of city government away from Saskia and their partners. Um, now, there's a lot of very interesting questions. So first of all, how do you see a vote of no confidence playing out? How do you see these four members of, sorry, four former members of Saskia mm-hmm. um, going? Uh, do, do you still uh, see them wanting to maintain the status quo or do you think that pretty much everybody on Riga City Council is is ready to, um, I don't know, kind of push the button, see what happens. I doubt that uh, these four uh, members who left Saskia will now support this uh, coalition and vote for the confidence. So I think they will vote, most probably they will vote against. And I, I think uh, they are also politicians and they understand that uh, uh, for them that would be much more wiser decision and elections of the uh, Riga municipality uh, before the... Because the, the, the next regularly scheduled election in Riga would be in 2021. Yeah, so it's like two years uh, earlier. Just about, yeah, just yeah, about two years earlier. And I think they would vote for that option more than for the coalition. Because it'd be very interesting to see what happens because really nobody knows. Because Saskinia is so hard to understand because, for example, they did fantastically in the European elections, but that was with Mr. Ushakovs mm-hmm. at the top of the ticket. What happens in a city election without Mr. Ushakovs? We have no idea. We've never seen an election without Mr. Ushakovs kind of leading. It's very hard to lead from Brussels. And now the rumor mill has been in overdrive lately. This was in the Baltic Times I was reading about... Mr. Ushakovs was asked, you know, is there any chance that he would, Mm -hmm. you know, ever run for mayor, you know, even in a snap election? And from the way they were reporting, he was kind of keeping his options open. Now, I interpret this as kind of just, you know, yellow journalism Mm -hmm. a little bit. Ooh, you know, Mr. Ushakovs. But is there a world where Mr. Ushakovs would immediately go, no, actually, Riga needs me back. Sorry, Brussels. I'm going back to Riga. And he would run again. I mean, could you see this 
happening in some kind of world and would he even no. be allowed to? It's not possible that Tershikos <laughs> would come back to Riga municipality from the Brussels. It's That's simply not possible. Okay, so when it happens in a few weeks, Olives, I, I, I'll, I'll get you a shirt that says it's simply not possible. So yeah. uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, we don't really have a whole lot to say right now because by the time you're listening to this, you will already kind of know what happens. Uh, however, if there is a snap election, we will have a lot to talk about and we will definitely oh, yeah. <laughs> do at least a special episode. Maybe we'll even fly Otto back from America. I don't know. He, he might be tempted or, or maybe, maybe he'll be happy to watch from abroad. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll be happy to watch from Yelgova and, and uh, you know, not, not have to, uh, you know, see all the ads going by in the buses. So anyway, now we only have a little bit to talk about this week when it comes to my and Otto's favorite subject. I don't know. Uh, Olives, are, are you a train fan? Are you a train person? Uh, I don't think so. No, you, you don't strike me as a train person. I mean, <laughs> Otto, Otto and I, like, the train is our happy place, but but I but I see you as kind of more of a driver. But anyway, uh, train is even a happier place for me now on the Yelgova Riga line. A few days ago, I was going onto the train, and I saw this little signs for coffee. I was like, coffee on the train? Do we have a cafe car? Oh. And I walked in, and this was, again, the Riga Yelgova electric train line. And on the very first train, there was... A coffee machine oh or my coffee God. automats yeah <laughs> which you know I, I i excitedly sent a picture to Otto, and he said oh yeah you know we, we had one of these a few years ago everyone spilled coffee all over the place mm-hmm. on the floor so they got rid of it now on the train between portland and boston so portland maine not oregon uh, kind of where i'm from we actually do have a cafe car and there's actually seats there's actually like seats and um tables where you can sit down and you know i mean it's, it's just like snacks basically you know they, they don't cook like five-star meal or anything like that but you know they have some snacks they heat up and everything but it, it also is a is a kind of like a pub car because you can also get some bottles of uh, beer as well. So whenever I would cross the state border from New Hampshire into Maine, I would always uh, pop open. We, we have this one beer shipyard from my hometown, which was my favorite. So, so I'd always do that. So sadly, we can't do that yet on the train, but I can definitely dream. However, uh, we do have a big update, not with trains, but with ferries. So it seems like we are one step closer to a day where you can take the ferry from Ventspils to Sarnima, which is the kind of big island right off of Estonia. It's a big part of Estonia, actually. So the original plan was to set up the ferry for this summer. Obviously, that's not going to happen anymore. But uh, both of those two parties are looking, they're actively looking for an operator who could fulfill that service. So I don't know, Olavs, if, if there is a ferry from Ventspils to Sarnima, could you see yourself taking it in the summer? Absolutely. Uh, if they would make uh, that possible i think in the summer they will have many tourists and people willing really to go uh, by ferry to sarima uh, because currently uh, sarima is still uh, i think it's very it's pretty popular destination uh, it's 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 good place to go and you can go to sarima only uh, from area near the pernava pernu which is in estonia and uh, if there could be a chance for for latvians to go from the ventspils wow that would be great now, here's a story which does more directly affect you because you might not be a trained person, but you are a big driver, I know. And oh, yeah. I'm not so much of a driver. I, I did just get a car actually a few weeks ago, so I'm starting to drive actually for the first time in Latvia. But uh, it looks like there are some major highway renovations that are going on throughout the country. So uh, would you like yes. to tell us about that a little bit, Olaf? So yeah, the, so there are quite a lot. For example, take a look on uh, the highway near the Yalgova, 
and the area of Jalgaud, so there are major innovations. If you're coming from Riga, then better go through Wozolniecki and not to choose this the, the ringway. So then we have, uh, when you go to the Jurmala, it can take much more time for you to reach Jurmala because uh, now there is a renovation which starts nearby Babita and ends basically like 5Ks from the Jurmala city. So there were, if you know, there were those two sections uh, going to the Jurmala. Now one section is completely closed and only one section is left open. So uh, there will be huge, huge traffic on it. Uh, then another uh, major important renovation which is happening near the Barskrooks uh, on the Vidzems Highway, which would require a turn around for the Cesis turn, and you can you can find a ways to pass this Barskrooks um, spot on this on this highway. It's, it will be pre- pretty busy. And Dogopils Highway, there's a spot from Kalkuni to Tilti. To the Svente, uh, there is two of those spots with with these street lights there, and I I suspect uh, uh, also very uh, you should spare your time going to that way as well. And there will be some renovations in Zemgale uh, on the Bauskaiskraukle Highway near the Jaunjalgava. And as of course every summer uh, there is uh, renovations on the Ventspils Highway, so. You can expect uh, something going on near Gruabiga. I think it's time to get into some rapid fire. So we have uh, quite a few more stories to cover, and we'll try to go through them pretty quickly. Now, the first one, which a lot of you probably saw, is that there was kind of a little celebration on the part of Mr. Uh, Christianus Karinch, the prime minister of the country, about some uh, financial reforms that have been going through pretty quickly. Now, for those of you who, you know, uh, haven't been paying close attention or who got here recently, Latvia's financial sector has been under a lot of criticism over the last kind of year and a half because there was uh, some major money laundering allegations that happened at the beginning of last year. There have been smoke from money laundering allegations from years and years and years and years from the financial sector, but uh, but this smoke kind of became very, very visible. It led to the uh, self-liquidation process of Latvia's largest bank by Latvian capital, mm-hmm. by the amount of Latvian capital, ABLV Bank. Now, not everybody is extremely happy about all of these reforms. And one person who has been very outspoken about it is Mr. Juris Janssons, who was just a presidential candidate. He was one of the three presidential candidates who just ran in the election. He's the chief um, ombudsman. And the reasons he's unhappy about this is that so uh, the Financial and Capital Market Commission, which is kind of one of the big oversight bodies, the chair and the board are going to be appointed by SIMA, by parliament, and the council is going to be reduced to three instead of five members. And the reason why he's so outspoken about this is because, or at least you know, the the argument that he's been making is that he sees this as giving politicians more control over a regulatory body, which should be as independent as possible. Uh, Olives, do you share any of his concerns? Or do you think that this is a, a, a little bit dramatic on his part? Uh, it's uh, it's worth to uh, be a little uh, be afraid uh, and uh, concerned on, on these latest initiatives by Christian Skarinj as uh, there is a risk that this uh, this institution uh, which really we want it to be independent 
which can uh, lose remarkably their discretion. And Mr. Janssons is concerned about that there will be uh, those uh, instruments now for politicians to influence the members of the board and how they will select them and how they will remove and change them. So uh, it's it should be considered more carefully before the, the really reform is made. Mm. So uh, we will kind of keep an eye on that and see how that plays out. But I think your points are well taken, as, as is Mr. Janssons. And I think a lot of people are probably going to be uh, listening to those. Now, another story. So the amount of foreign investment was lower in 2018 than in 2017. So this was the Baltic course that was reporting on this. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts about this, Olivs. Do you, because when, when I hear this immediately, you know, I my immediate connection goes with kind of the last story about the collapse of ABLV Bank and, and also kind of the you know smoke that's been coming from the financial sector. Do you think that this has spooked foreign investors? Or do you think that perhaps sketchy foreign investors who might have wanted to make sketchy investments into Latvia are now thinking twice about this? And that could also contribute to the uh, kind of lower amount. I think uh, your points are right on uh, considering uh, these problems which which were experienced uh, with the Latvian banks, but at the same time, uh, investors also look on uh, what is the trade market uh, in the country, uh, what is the productivity possible here, uh, what is the tax policy, uh, if they see vitality of the political environment, if they see frequently changing tax uh, taxes here, and and probably uh, also employees, the lack of employees and, and and insufficient productivity would be would be one of the cause of the, of of the decrease of the fi- uh, investments. Uh, another story, real quick. Uh, so th- this was um, kind of a credit to Latvian police. It looks like so. According to the prosecutor's office, there was a plot by this extremist, quote-unquote, fan of uh, that uh, Berling uh, Breivik um, from Norway, it was, who, um, you know, we, we don't want to talk about uh, what he did, but but you can look that up if you're not familiar with that story. And uh, so, so this crazed person was planning on attacking some different locations in Yormala. He was thwarted by police before he could carry out this attack. So, you know, definitely thanks to the law enforcement agencies who helped in that situation, if you see a bear, however, though, in Vidzeme, <laughs> so apparently state forestry services are saying, do not be alarmed, stay calm, don't try to confront it, don't try to scream, don't try to freak out. Uh, apparently there were some bears seen not far from Tsesis, uh, which is not incredibly uncommon. I mean, in Latvia, we don't have a huge bear population. Usually they kind of are lost wandering in from, from Russia, from, from that side of the world. Uh, but, but we do have a few bears. And apparently, uh, so if you see one, don't panic. Yeah, sometimes there was that bear which came uh, frequently uh, from Estonia in the forests to into the Latvia. So probably they will find the friends. <laughs> uh, another story, which is not a very positive one, unfortunately. So uh, apparently the uh, Valmira Stikla Skiedra, the uh, the glass factory in Valmira, apparently have some problems with uh, their U.S. creditors and with some uh, supplies in the uh, U.S. And apparently they're um, filing for legal protection right now, which is not great because from what I understand, they are one of the major employers up in that region, up in uh, Vidzeme. 
I don't know. Uh, what, mm. what what do you see the prognosis of this story? So do you yeah, is this a bump in the so road or is this serious? It looks like I'm afraid it looks like another sad story. It was really great risk for the Valmir Stiklestiedr to sign this deal with. Uh, so what they had in uh, with the company in US and now they are in trouble they have to return all this loan back with the with the interests uh, so it's it's a business so it's 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 uh, uh, they have to struggle but uh, we want to be kind of we, we want to, we want to add some political dimensions to this or something maybe uh, so uh, U.S. our like greatest partners, like strategical partners, and our best friends. But you know, in the world of business, they are not friends; they are interests. So, uh, and this is the situation uh, when the outcome would be not that we want here in Latvia for the Valmier stickers together, but we must realize that this this is pretty sad now. Uh, so these obligations were taken. There's something went wrong, terribly wrong. And uh, so let's follow what what will happen. So uh, we definitely are sending our best thoughts to those who are on the ground and are affected by the situation because, you know, the people who get affected the most are the people who, you know, do their jobs every day or the ones who go to work, clock in, clock out, and, you know, are just looking to put food on the table. So uh, our thoughts are... Let's call for the best, of course. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we we, we don't know what's going to happen there yet. One positive story to close out Rapid Fire is that last night I was very happy, I was very selfishly happy to see that the Karinj government agreed with the Latvians Teacher Union that teacher salaries will increase as promised by the uh, Kuczynskis government, the government that was here before Mr. Karinj's government. There's been a timetable that was agreed to over the previous year and the next few years that teacher salaries will eventually rise to 900 euros a month on paper by 2022. So it looks like now uh, this next stage of the timetable is going to be honored. So teacher salaries are going to raise to uh, 750 euros in September, on September 1st. Now, the interesting thing about this is that uh, the teachers union had promised a strike on September 2nd. And they haven't quite called it off yet, at least from the last that I've heard. Maybe they have by the time you're listening to this, because there's only funding for up till December. So theoretically, it could be that, you know, uh, minimum salaries are 750 for September, October, November, December, and then suddenly January, it's down to 710 again. So they, they haven't, they haven't uh, promised to call the strike off yet because there's no word on whether, you know, what will happen in January exactly. So uh, we will have to keep an eye on that. But at least, you know, I, um, I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, there's... It's already good news, really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, there's, that there's something happening here, so... You know, because um, yeah. anyway, um, I think it's time to get into some international stories. Mm. So one story that I've been following a little bit, I haven't been following it probably as closely as Olives has. <laughs> I hope so as well. Yeah, they they had pretty uh, like un- unprecedented and strange and awkward situation in Moldova now. When you see what is happening when they can't make a working government uh, for more than uh, six, seven months. So, so it's February, they had elections, and since then the government is still not formed. They attempt to form a government, uh, at the end resulted in basically two working governments. And there is a coalition, which was also, we would say, 
maybe that was a joke, but that was not a joke. There was pro-Russian Socialist Party, and there was pro-European political bloc, uh, which is called NOW, and they made coalition, and the same time there was... Uh, there was another government which was led by Democratic Wing Party. So the situation, so there was that that was a serious political crisis. Uh, many decisions were made by the Supreme Court. So the, the 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 president was 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 kind of fired. So there many things were ongoing. But but now the so but but now it, this there is uh, there might be a, a light uh, at the end of the tunnel. As we see that this uh, this this another wing, like the second government, kind of a government, a party, a democratic, uh, this 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 party stepped stepped away. Uh, so and 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 basically, we are now having this uh, the the most possible government for Moldova will be formed of this coalition of pro, of pro-Russian socialist party and pro-European bloc now. And uh, the, so the thing is that uh, so it would be like a question like really uh, what's going on, but so those two parties formed the coalition on the basis of very similar political uh, priorities, uh, which is to fight uh, corruption and influence of oligarchs in this country. Uh, so they are following kind of these very important priorities. And, and and the leader of this coalition is emphasizing this that uh, Moldova is not stepping away uh, for from its goal uh, in the future to join European Union so they are not like falling back to to, to the to the Russian influence and the reason why this is connected to Latvia is because all three of the Baltic prime ministers of uh, Estonia Latvia and Lithuania have all expressed mm-hmm. their deep concern about the situation because you know this is kind of our neighborhood and uh, you know we're we're always a bit nervous whenever there's anything to do with um, you know these kind of pro-Russian, anti-Russian uh, factions in different countries. Mm-hmm. So um, they're closely following the situation as as Olives is, and I am kind of uh, semi closely following the situation. Mm-hmm. And I, I really believe that this uh, this only possible working coalition, which is which is really kind of very strange coalition. Uh, so, but but that coalition will work on their uh, primarily goals, and uh, and then when the time will, the right time will come, they will form more more appropriate coalitions in the future in the Moldova. So we will keep an eye on Moldova over the next couple of weeks for yeah. sure. And um, the next thing is that for the international news, it, uh, these are good news that Latvia uh, has elected to Europe, to United Nations Economic and Social. Council uh, June 14 so uh, Latvia was elected as a member uh, of uh, of this council uh, for the term f- uh, from the 2020 to 2022 uh, so uh, we will be represented well at the United Nations and if there is a major dispute between Latvia and Estonia, which will not happen, because again, oh. we are we are good friends. You know, yeah. as, 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 as as Olaf just mentioned a few minutes ago, you know, just like the U.S. and Latvia, you know, we're we're friends. But when it comes to business, you know, mm. that that's a whole different issue. Yeah. And uh, the business of which we are referring to has to do with alcohol excise tax, which is Otto's favorite issue. So Otto, I I I, I see a smile on your face right now as you're listening <laughs> to this, and. 
so Latvia for years has had kind of cheaper alcohol taxes than Estonia has. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's been kind of well known that people come down from Estonia, especially to some of the border towns like uh, Volga and uh, um, Einaji, right? Mm. Yeah, Einaji, yeah. It, it's Valka and Einaji. And they have these alcohol stores. And so what's going on now? Uh, Prime Minister Christian Skarinj uh, announced that uh, no, there is a war. Estonia uh, j- just just right now they passed a bill and it was uh, it, it's accepted and it's working now that uh, that Estonia will are are, are decreasing uh, this uh, this tax on alcohol. And uh, so why why this is a problem for Latvia? So, but the problem is there that those uh, alcohol sellers in Latvia profited a, li- a, a huge uh, at the times when the when that tax was high in Estonia. Uh, so, are Prime Minister Christian Skarinj lobbying those alcohol sellers so much that he's he wants to declare a war? <laughs> so, why why we are so concerned about it? Well, I don't know. I know that that is definitely. Um, a major source of income for for these areas, and uh, as Ardo was kind of discussing a couple of weeks ago, you know, um, especially these, these regions which are very unhappy about the territorial reform, you know, might uh, this might be a bone that's kind of thrown to them right now of like, well, we're taking this seriously. Mm-hmm. So, because um, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, he really wants uh, Estonians to be able to get their um, discounted alcohol. So Karinj uh, is about to. Uh, so there is a war now, and 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 our biggest weapon, uh, like uh, uh, a new kind of, is also to make our taxes lower. Then <laughs> maybe. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so we'll we'll see what happens with this war. Now, uh, of course, we're using this facetiously. We don't actually mean that there's going to be any kind of actual war between. Latvia and Estonia because we are basically the best friends in the world. We are, we absolutely, we are friends. But you know, business. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, it's like with your brother and sister. You know, like they're they're the ones you fight with the most because you love them. You know, but absolutely. But but uh, better. We're 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 gonna get our taxes lower. So yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. Um, another international story we have right here, which we yeah, it's it's it it has it, it has it has importance for the for the regional stability and for the security as U.S. decided to assign the U.S. dollars two hundred fifty million U.S. dollars for military assistance program to Ukraine, which will then foster and which will help uh, regional security as well, which will be good measure of deterrence. And it's which is good news for 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 Baltics and Latvia as well. Exactly. Um, so that just what does it for international. Uh, Olaf's. I think you have some sports to talk about. Oh yeah, uh, there was very good sports news uh, recently. Uh, Latvian boxing star Myers Briedis literally <laughs> knocked out Poland's Krzysztof Glowacki. Uh, he did it so successfully in the third round of the World Boxing Super Series uh, Cruiserweight Finals Saturday evening at Arena Riga in Latvia. Uh, so that was great success for uh, Myers Briedis, but uh, but 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 Polish guy is not uh, is, is is not happy about this, and and he will appeal to this result. And, and and he is not satisfied with that, so he thinks that he was good as well. So, but Myers Briedis were he were he did be- better. <laughs> and another uh, story, another another news is that uh, our good uh, cycler um, 
Chris Nylands uh, on Sunday finished in the first place in the Tour of uh, Hungary, uh, winning uh, his uh, most important title of the to the date. And uh, his his main rivals were Hungarians and uh, cyclists from the France. Wow! So, so congratulations to him. Now, I remember a few months ago we were told that we would know something about the Olympics in June, whether or not it would happen in Stockholm and also in uh, Sigulda here. Uh, we, we would have some uh, different sledding events, bobsleigh and, and luge and yeah. skeleton, for example. And uh, so what is the latest update with that? So the latest update here is that uh, it's quite uh, realistic now that uh, Winter Olympics uh, will be happening really in Stockholm. So it, it's a great chance for a tiny uh, Sigul to also to jump in and to join this big uh, winter sports event. So I think probably there will be not uh, like really big uh, new hotel buildings uh, in 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 Sigul or or something like uh, like very huge, but but I think there 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 should Sigul uh, might experienced uh, pretty uh, pretty good changes, and they may so they they should really think about this situation now because the uh, Winter Olympics it's it's so huge. So we will let you know as soon as we find out. Now we have a very sad week in history that we have to discuss right now. And this goes back to June 14th, 1941. And uh, if you were walking around Latvia a few days ago, you might have noticed uh, most of the buildings, pretty much all the buildings have to actually have flags and that there was also a little ribbon uh, hanging down from them. So, Olaf, would you like Mm. to explain? It's one of the greatest strategy for the uh, Latvian nation as it was June 14, 1941, when uh, more than 15,000 Latvians were deported to inner regions, to the Siberia of the Soviet Union. Families, those people who were not trusted by the new Soviet government at the time. And uh, that was only beginning of this uh, very sad and tragic story for the Latvian nation and for the Baltic states, as in this day we also should remember that... uh, March 25th came in 1949 and uh, even much more Latvians were deported at this date as well. Uh, It was nearly 50,000 persons which were deported uh, during the deportations in in March 25, 1949. And also from the other uh, Baltic countries as well, uh, in total uh, nearly 100,000 people Remembrance of uh, this tragedy of June 14 is important for us as we should realize we should do everything what we can. We should um, be in position that this situation never never will happen again. Exactly. And, um, you know, it, it is something to, you know, remember. I mean, you know, like we, this time of year, we want to be thinking about, you know, Ligua, Yanni, kind of the more exciting you know, things to uh, celebrate and look forward to, but it's always, uh, you know, important to look back and make sure that this kind of thing uh, never happens again. Absolutely. And there is another day, uh, which is June 17. At this day in year 1940, actual occupation happened 
when Soviet troops came, literally came into Latvia. In several hours, they reached uh, Riga. And, and, and this is official day of Latvian occupation. And then all the rest is happening to our nation for 50 years. And that's sad story. And Olives, I know you have a few other dates in oh, history yeah. you'd like to mention. Uh, so as great popularity got the story on Chernobyl uh, due to the series which were made on Chernobyl tragedy, June 19, 1998, uh, it was a day when um, operation of a nuclear reactor uh, was stopped in Salaspils. So we had in Salaspils a nuclear reactor uh, for scientific purpose. And it worked uh, uh, until June 1998. Uh, another important date <coughs> is that uh, June 22. It's a day of uh, Latvian heroes uh, for the Cessis battle. At, as in this day, in 1919, Latvian troops together with Estonian army were victorious... Uh, against the uh, Landeswehr, the German troops near the Cessis. <clears throat> so that was a oh, that was a victory, and and then this is the day when, when we celebrate this. So a lot to celebrate this uh, week from history. Also a lot to celebrate in this week in the future because we are just a few days away from Ligua and Yanni. So again, uh, on I believe either Friday or Saturday we're going to release our special kind of Ligua uh, Yanni special. So if you're not sure what we celebrate on Midsummer, you can find out then. Um, but for those of you who have spent any time in Latvia or you know have uh, heard people talk about Latvia, uh, Midsummer is one of the biggest days of the year. Mm. It's a very exciting day. So there's a lot of ways to celebrate it uh, coming up this week. And uh, Olives, I see you have written down a few of them. W- would you like to discuss some? And then I'll, I'll also make um, kind of one uh, kind of a big call to everybody in Riga who, who has nothing to do. So... My advice for those who stay in Riga, uh, you you can go to the Dom Square. Uh, there is always uh, the, the so the people from the center comes to the Dom Square. You can go to the bonfire in Zagushkans. Uh There will be concerts and performance in the Riga parks and squares. So there are plenty of options for you. And uh, I, I believe all that's on the night of the twenty first. Now. On the night of the 23rd, which is Sunday, I know that your friends will tell you don't do this <laughs> because Ligua Yanni, it's something that needs to be celebrated in the countryside. And I agree. It is something that if you have the option to go out into the countryside and celebrate it, then you should. Mm-hmm. But that's not always the case that you can. Because, for example, a few years ago, my wife and I were getting married just a few days after Yanni, and we had to be in Riga, and we were just like, okay, what should we do? And we kept hearing there was this big event advertising the cross mola. We thought, okay, look, we'll go check it out. You know, we'll see what it's like. If it's really lame, we can go somewhere else. Because there's also, at least that year, there was this more traditional one in Ildutsiums as well, the uh, kind of traditional Ligoyani. And I was so impressed. That is the best city festival I've ever been to in my entire life, at least the year I went. I went in 2017. Because first of all, it was just massive. There were so many different things to do. There was uh, like a tent full of donchu. So if you wanted to do the traditional dances, you could do it mm. there. If you wanted to sit and listen to Schlager for a few hours, you could go to a tent and listen to Schlager. If you wanted to hear La Volga's tips, you know, Inters Busulis, kind of the biggest pop stars, you could go hear them in the big tent. They had massive bonfires. But the best part was that not only was the food there so cheap, 
Mm. And so, well, affordable. I, I wouldn't say cheap, but it was very, very affordable. Much more affordable than you're used to seeing in Old Riga these days. But there was actually fire pits set up and grilling pits where you could bring your own meat mm. and you could grill it yourself, which is kind of one of the major things that you do on Liguan Yanni. So I strongly endorse, based on my previous experience, so I'm sorry if you go there and you have a terrible time, don't, you know, come at me. Don't, uh, you know, send me an angry message on Facebook like, you ruined my Yanni. Because, uh, you know, again, like it's the best to go out into the countryside. But if you have nothing to do, I strongly suggest giving that a try. So unfortunately, it looks like we are not going to be able to get a hold of Chris Ockenfelds uh, at this time. I've been trying to get a hold of him for some time now. It looks like either he's out of service or maybe our schedules just didn't quite line up. But uh, for those of you, again, who haven't been listening, so he is our correspondent who's been doing a circumnavigation of Latvia. He is a Latvian Australian who grew up in Australia and has been kind of exploring Latvia the last few years. And he accepted a job in Leopaya, I understand, uh, an English teaching job, which is very, very exciting. So big congratulations to him. Uh, last I heard, he spent a lot of time in kind of the southern part of Korzume over the week, and he was in Skrunda, uh, both at the kind of uh, Skrunda Manor and also uh, out camping. And it's a very special place to him because that is where his uh, family comes from in Skrunda. So we will try our best to get a hold of him the next few days. And I will either kind of record a separate little thing and put it up uh, as a kind of mini podcast episode, or I might put it on the Facebook page. But you can follow him yourself at ockenfeldsontheroad.wordpress.com. And you can also uh, go to the Latvia Weekly Facebook page and, and find out how to get there and also latviaweekly.com. So Olives, I think that just about does it for this week. So uh, wh- where are you going this year? Are you, are you going out to the countryside or are you staying in yeah, the city? I will, I will go to the country. I'll just say, but I but I have a little bit spoiled this time, uh, Ligo, because I have go to Brussels June twenty four afternoon. Wow! So so you were flying right out on Yanni. So you were so you're one of those poor people on the on the plane. So I wish you the best of luck. I am going to be out with some friends. This is my daughter's very first Ligo oh. Yanni, and it's also uh, my my best friend who we're going out to visit. It's That's also nice. his son's first one. So it'll be interesting. So it's kind of the next little generation of Ligua Tai. So, oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you all for listening. Have a very safe Ligua, a very fun Ligua. Please be careful when you're driving. You know, definitely don't even think about, you know, if you're, if you're wondering, ah, should I drive, should I not? Don't. Just stay longer. Stay Obviously. safe and have a great time. Exactly. And we will be back uh, next week to talk about whatever happened over Ligua. It's probably going to be a slow news week, but you never know. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe a lot more drama will happen. <laughs> uh, so thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, visual, obviously. Goodbye.